Welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we are joined by one of community's founding pastors, John Ferguson, as we wrap up our series, Advent Conspiracy. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. And remember, you can always find us at the Yellow Box on Sundays at 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m. We hope to see you there. All right, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Yeah, you guys good? It's good to be inside, huh? <laughs> uh, some of you might not know, but my family, we moved to the city about six years ago to help start new locations and churches in Chicago on behalf of Community Christian Church. And so we were, my daughter and I, we were driving uh, in, out to the burbs from the city this morning, and the temperature, you could just watch it on my car, dropping degree after degree after degree as we were making our way from the city out to the, out of the burbs. I think we dropped like seven degrees in about a half hour. So anyway, it is, it is great to be here, and uh, there's no place I'd rather be. Uh, than celebrating, uh, you know, Christmas with you here at the box. And you know what? I mean, Christmas is almost here, right? I mean, we're now, what, one week away, right? So let me just ask you, have you had your fill yet of eggnog and uh, Christmas caroling and classic Christmas shows? Have you? Most of you? Not yet? All right, still got a week to go. But speaking of classic Christmas shows, let me just kind of get an idea of some of your favorites, okay? Real quick, I'll only mention a few, but who would say uh, definitely uh, It's a Wonderful Life? All right, yeah, I figured I'd get about half of you with that one. All right, any uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer fans? Let's be, yeah, be loud and proud for Rudolph. Okay, sure. And uh, how about Elf? Wow, I'm not sure what that says about us. I honestly had a hard time even including it among the classic Christmas shows, but we won't talk about that anymore. But you know, my all-time favorite Christmas classic show has to be the Charlie Brown Christmas special. Come on, are you with me? All right, absolutely love that. It always gets me in the Christmas spirit. And you know, I actually did a little bit of research and I found some really interesting things about that show. For example, did you know that both CBS, okay, the network that first aired the Charlie Brown Christmas special, and Coke, the company who sponsored it, all right, they almost pulled the plug on the show because they thought it was gonna bomb. True story. They only spent $76,000 on production. And then when it aired, it got a 50% share. Yeah, half of all people watching TV that night were watching that special. Incredible. Okay, how about this one? Charles Schultz, the creator, right? Creator of the Charlie Brown Christmas special. He was annoyed by some of the scenes in the show where Charlie Brown is actually right next to the Christmas tree. Because if you watch closely, it actually looks like the Christmas tree branches are growing from scene to scene. True story. He blamed it on two animators that didn't get along. See if you can notice that the next time you watch it. But here's my favorite, okay? My favorite piece of trivia on this. Prior to the first airing of the Charlie Brown Christmas special... Okay, aluminum trees. How many of you have seen an aluminum tree? Yeah, they were actually gaining in popularity because people hated to mess with the pine needles and the tree sap, all right? But after the scene in this special, you know where Charlie Brown refuses to get a fake tree? Real tree sales skyrocketed. Aluminum tree sales tanked. Now they're like just a collector's item. Aren't you glad you came this morning to find out all that important information? Yeah. But when it comes down to it, okay, I mean, the scene that I really love from the Charlie Brown Christmas special, you know where I'm going with this, is when Linus comes out and he says this. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. 
And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Yeah, now if that doesn't get you in the Christmas spirit, what does, right? I mean, that's, that right there is what it's all about. And so today we wrap up our series, Advent Conspiracy. And, you know, Advent marks those four weeks leading up to Christmas. And this year we've been conspiring together to approach Christmas in a way that ensures that we just don't miss its true meaning. Because I would say that many of us, if most, not most of us, have a tendency to kind of miss Christmas. You know, I can get overwhelmed by the chaos and the complexity of Christmas. Are you with me? It happens, I think, to most of us. You know, getting those decorations up outside without losing a finger to frostbite. All right. Uh, How about shopping for a Christmas tree? You know, it takes a lot to satisfy all four of the members of my family. You know, this one's too tall. This one's too short. This one's too skinny. Yeah, this one's too dry. I thought I'd pick the perfect tree this year. Okay, we all agreed on it in the lot. I get it home, we put it up. I'm thinking it looks awesome. And suddenly my family's, you know, it's just a little too sparse. I'm thinking, really? Come on. How about eating out, buying gifts like you can afford it? I mean, it all adds to the stress of Christmas, doesn't it? It's no wonder we miss the awe and wonder of this time of year. But, you know, even on that very first Christmas, most people missed it. Yeah, even on the very first Christmas, most people missed it. They missed the wonder of, you know, God with us, God beside us, God becoming one of us. Yeah, only a handful of people were actually paying attention. The rest, they missed it. And so this year, we want to make sure we don't miss Christmas. And it's not too late. I mean, think about that, okay? It's not too late. We kind of have that extra weekend between Thanksgiving and Christmas this year. We still have a week left, folks. So let's not rush by the nativity scene. Instead, let's stop. I mean, let's just enter in. Let's take a deep breath and pause long enough to gaze at the scene of that very first Christmas. Because you see, I think if we look closely, we will find some of the most unlikely people You know, as Linus so eloquently said, he said, and there were in the same country shepherds. Yeah, shepherds abiding in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flock by night. Shepherds. Hmm. You know, back in the day, no one would have ever expected shepherds to be the honored guests of an infant king. I mean, let alone be the first to receive the news of his birth. Actually, you know, some would actually argue that they were the least likely. Uh, Anybody here ever play the role of a shepherd in a Christmas pageant? Anyone? All right, yeah, I think the few of us, you know, you get to you know, wear the bathrobe to church, you know, and you put the towel over your head and you get to whack all your friends with the shepherd's staff. It's kind of fun, right? But, you know, shepherds weren't the cute little kids that we often see depicted in these Christmas pageants, actually. In fact, shepherds may have been the very last people invited to a holiday gathering. I mean, in the first century, pe- shepherds were, they were, they were peasants. I mean, they were near the bottom of the scale of power and privilege. Uh, I mean, the left life of a shepherd, it was not an easy one. I mean, late nights and early mornings out, you know, taking care of these animals and ensuring that they're not, you know, eaten by wild beasts. They were hardworking people who didn't do the kind of, or had to do the kind of work nobody else wanted to do. 
And not only were shepherds poor, they had a backwards reputation also. They were viewed as ill-mannered bandits who sort of just kind of lived outside of the law. I mean, the shepherds were so marginalized. They, they weren't even allowed to worship in the temple or in the synagogue because they dealt with animals all the time. And so they were considered unclean by the religious elite at that time. So they couldn't even worship. So at best, you see, shepherds were considered to be second-class citizens. Now, you know, I kind of hesitate to mention a group of people that we would consider to be the modern-day version of a shepherd. And I know this probably isn't politically correct, but after a lot of research, most scholars would agree that if the angels were to appear to a similar group of people today, it would be, well, Green Bay Packer fans. (laughs) Just trying to numb the pain of one awful Bears season. So now do you understand how shocking it was that this incredible news was first announced to shepherds? I mean, if something like this were to happen today, we would certainly question the messenger and likely the message as well. In fact, I'm guessing the shepherds themselves had to be thinking, wait, who, us? I mean, we're we're shepherds. How could this be happening to us? I mean, they were the last people on earth anyone would have thought that God would appear to, let alone invite and see, come and be a part of the most important event in all of world history. So why did God choose them? Why did God choose the least likely? Well, let's take a second look at that story as they hear the news of Jesus' birth from Luke chapter two. It says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. You know, God could have announced the the news of Christ's birth to any person on the planet, any group of people that he wanted to. He could have gone to kings or nobles. He could have gone to scholars or military heroes. He could have approached people that would have given this news instant credibility, but he brought the news of Christ's birth to the shepherds first, outcasts, castaways, people nobody else would even give the time of day. Have you ever been been in on some news that uh, nobody else knew about? And you kind of wondered, why are they telling me this? Anybody ever had that? Somebody kind of tells you something, and you're like, okay, why am I being told this? Uh, a few years ago, I had some friends who, like Joseph and Mary, were expecting their first child. And they went for their ultrasound to find out the sex of the baby. But instead of being told right then and there, they wanted to plan a romantic night out to reveal the sex of the baby over dinner, okay? And so they asked the doctor to send them an email with the sex of the baby in the email. And they agreed not to look at it until they could go out and over dinner celebrate the reveal of what the sex of the baby was going to be. Great plan, right? Well, except that my friend did look. And he told me the sex of the baby before he and his wife went out to look at the email. I don't make up these stories. I just tell these stories. And I don't recommend these stories. (laughs) I knew before she did. So maybe just maybe the shepherds kind of felt like me, you know, like honored, yes. But at the same time, awkward. Why why are you telling me this? (laughs) And what was God's intention? 
I mean, why did he tell this incredible news to the very least likely people of all? Well, I think that God is making it perfectly clear that Jesus came to love all. Jesus came to love all, even those we might consider to be the very least likely. People we might see as the most unlovable. You know, it might be a particular group of people you've sort of marginalized or written off. Maybe who comes to mind is an individual that you've never gotten along with and figure you never will. Or it might be someone you can't even imagine how God or anybody else could ever love that person. But do you know who I think we often see as the least worthy of this great news of Jesus' birth? You know, I think we often have the most difficult time convincing that, yeah, Jesus really loves that person. How, how about ourselves? How about you? You know, I think most of us get pretty good at putting the game face on, don't we? You know, we can kind of look like we have it all together, especially at Christmas. Man, I mean, when deep down, we know we're far from having it all together. We know our own brokenness. We know our selfish thoughts. We know our own struggles better than anybody else. And so this news coming to the shepherds first, man, I mean, it reminds me that Jesus loves us all. And that includes me. No matter who I am and as unlovable as I can be at times, I am always loved by God. And, you know, we may believe that up here. We know, we know it's true, right? After all, how many of us grew up singing, Jesus loves me, this I, I know. <laughs> but this Christmas, see, we wanted to move from here to here. And I want you to not just know that Jesus loves you. I want you to feel it down deep in your soul that Jesus loves you so much that he came to earth and chose to face loneliness, grief, pain, and an excruciating death on the cross rather than spend eternity without you. You know, in Romans 5, the apostle Paul writes this. He says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Notice that Paul didn't say, you know, well, once you got your act together or after you've cleaned yourself up or when you're finally able to stop giving into that same stupid temptation or, you know, when you finally get all your questions answered or when you finally stop doubting. No, he didn't say that, right? No, he said And this is Paul, okay, who had his fair share of guilt from his own jaded past, said, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. While I was at my my very worst, Christ loved me enough to give up his life for me. See, we can't make God love us any more or any less than he does right now. And this Christmas, I want you to not only know that love, I want you to just feel it down to the very core of your being. See, yes, Christmas means more than anything else, we are loved. And he offers us the opportunity to experience his love and grace and forgiveness today. But see, like those first shepherds on that first Christmas, we have to respond. We have to receive it. You know what? I I need some help here. I'm going to come down. I'm going to scare somebody probably here, but I'm going to do this anyway. I need a volunteer. Who would help me out? It's dangerous sitting in the front row. Thank you for volunteering. That's incredible. She volunteered. What's your name? Ashley. Let's give Ashley a hand for volunteering. (laughs) Please sit on the front row again. <laughs> All right, Ashley, just imagine, okay, if you would, like somebody that you love, somebody that cares about you more than anybody else in the whole world, you know, they went to all kinds of trouble and they went out and bought you just this incredible 
wonderful gift. It's something that you've wanted and needed more than anything else in the world. And they wrapped it up in this beautiful box with a fancy old bow on it. And they're standing in front of you like I am right now, and they're extending it to you. What are you going to do? <laughs> she says reluctantly, take it. But yes, you answered correctly. <laughs> of course you're going to take it. Let's give her a hand for volunteering. All right, thank you. All right. I did that because see that right there, as simple as that is, that right there, as simple as it is, is a picture of what God's offering you today. It really is. He's extending his gracious love and forgiveness, a gift of immeasurable value. It's what you need and want more than anything else in the whole world. But a question remains, will you receive it? Will you receive it? I mean, what did the shepherds do when they heard this good news? They went to find Jesus, didn't they? They went to receive him. And I hope that today, you know, when we take the time to actually gaze into the nativity, God helps us see that we are the shepherds. We are the shepherds. We are the ones who are lost in the darkness of night. We are the ones wandering from place to place, totally unworthy of his grace and his love, but his favor rests on us anyway. And he's inviting you and I to not miss Christmas and instead receive the wonder of God with us, God beside us, God become one of us. And you know, not only did the shepherds receive this infant king, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. I mean, when the shepherds came face to face with Jesus, they couldn't help but share the news of his birth with others. And just like those shepherds, see, we are sent to love all and to share our story so that others can find their way back to God too. And Luke, the historian, says that all who heard the shepherd's story were amazed at what they had been said to them. Turns out the news was so convincing, so compelling, so incredible that it didn't matter who it came from. People were still just blown away by it. And I don't know about you, but you know, sometimes I, I kind of shy away from telling my story because I think, you know, well, my story's not that good. It's not really, um, it's not that compelling. It's not that unique. You ever feel that way? I mean, I grew, I grew up in an amazing family with you know, two parents who loved me incredibly well. I mean, not only that, they, they, they showed me every day what it means to love and follow Jesus. You know, they called themselves Christians and they showed compassion to people who were less fortunate. They were willing to take people in who didn't have a place to go. They brought people from various social and economic groups together. And they, they, they knew that they lived the way they lived because they loved Jesus. I mean, we we're a part of a great church with wonderful people who reinforced what I was being taught at home. I love being with church people and I still have friends to this very day who are friends that I grew up with in that church. And so at one point when I was about 10 years old, after a number of conversations with my mom and dad, I said, you know what? I wanna commit my life to Jesus. I wanna put a stake in the ground. I wanna draw a line in the sand and I wanna get baptized as a public way of declaring my faith in Jesus. And I did. Of course, I've had my share of ups and downs and doubts and questions since then. But I've never forgotten that moment when I was baptized and said, I will follow Jesus. And I've never once regretted making that commitment. You know, one of the best ways you can love your friends and family and to ensure they don't miss the true meaning of Christmas is to tell them the story of the difference that Jesus has made in your life. Uh, Kelly King is here today to publicly proclaim her faith and be baptized. And uh, she shared her story. And uh, when you hear her story, you're going to notice it's nothing like my story. 
And while I would hope that no one ever has to go through what her and her family have gone through, I mean, her story just reminds us of the incredible power of God's love, his people, and a simple invitation. And so she's gonna share her story via video. And then after her story, she's gonna actually be baptized over here by her husband, Brent, and her friend, Sue. Listen in. I grew up in an alcoholic and abusive home. For much of my life, I saw Jesus and other people and knew there was a place in my heart that was meant for him, but I could never figure out how to make that connection for myself. Trust didn't come easy for me. Despite a rough childhood and still searching for God, I met the most amazing man and love of my life and had two beautiful children. There were many moments my husband Brent and I were amazed at how blessed we were. Our beautiful world came crashing down in an instant on February 25th, 2010, when our 17-year-old daughter, Chelsea, went missing while on a run in a public park. After a massive search effort, her body was found five days later. She'd been murdered by a previously convicted sex offender. I could not accept that God would allow this. I was never more far away from God than in that moment. Five months after we lost Chelsea, at the request of our son Tyler, we moved back to Naperville, where we had raised our kids for 10 years prior to moving to San Diego. We returned to the same neighborhood that we'd lived in. All our friends here surrounded us with love and support in both tangible and intangible ways. They served us, and sometimes they just sat with us in our pain. We were able to breathe again. I didn't yet realize that God was at work. On a return trip to San Diego, I had a moment where I felt I needed to go to the place that they'd found Chelsea's body. My anger with God had only allowed me to feel the pain of loss, but in going there, I experienced a peace I didn't expect. Without having context for it, I knew I was standing where angels had been. And in that moment, I knew Chelsea was safe and whole and carried to heaven in the arms of angels. My heart began to thaw. Our home in Naperville was less than five minutes from community's Yellow Box campus. My husband Brent began attending, but I wasn't ready. He gently invited me, but never pressured me. I watched his example. I finally agreed to attend and ended up crying through the whole service. I didn't attend again for a few months. Brent continued to attend and would come home and share the messages with me, which led us to having meaningful conversations about God, his healing, his grace, and his love. I felt the wall that I'd built up around my heart was coming, was beginning to come down. I began to attend services at Yellow Box Weekly with Brent. God connected us to Dave and Sue Ferguson. Sue and I began meeting on a regular basis, and through those meetings, I began to realize that God has always been in my life. I saw what Christ's love really looked like. It wasn't about rules, reciting a bunch of Bible verses, or checking things off a list of what Christians should do. I learned that being a Christ follower was about developing a relationship with Jesus and living under the umbrella of his grace and love. Sue invited me to join a women's group at Yellow Box called Connections. I was petrified at first. I still wasn't sure I would fit in, but I trusted God. I quickly found a sisterhood of women who were struggling through their own doubts and questions, and I felt safe. It fed my soul in a way that I hadn't even realized I needed. 
The raw beauty I experienced in the group blessed me in a way I have never experienced anywhere else. There's no doubt that God was intentional in placing these women in my life. When my mind cleared enough to see past the fog of grief, I discovered that God was never closer. During a time when I experienced pure evil, He provided unimaginable light and love. As I went without sleep, without eating, in a state of utter heartbreak, people said, I don't know how you're getting through this. I didn't know it at the time, but I look back and know that it was by God's strength and mercy. He sent amazing people. He sent resources. He gave me words to speak. He saw me through. All of the ways God had provided and walked this journey to healing and faith with me all came together during a service at the Yellow Box. In a quiet moment, God's love filled my heart in such a subtle and gentle way that I knew that I had finally found my way back to God. Today, I'm being baptized because I know I can't do this life without Jesus. I know He's real. I know He provides. And I know that I am a child of God, and He loves me for who I am. I think sometimes you just got to let a miracle speak for itself. And that's what that was. That's what that is. And that speaks to the power of God's love. It speaks to the power of invitation. It speaks to the power of sharing your story, doesn't it? We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And uh, we do that every week. We celebrate the, the fact that he gave us his life. Yeah, that same Jesus who came to earth as a baby, grew up, became a young man, and then a teenager, and then a, a grown man who suffered and died for you. He came to love all, even me and you at our very worst and also gives us the opportunity to extend that love to others and uh, and I hope that today uh, through what you've heard and what you've experienced and what you've seen just now it's given you an opportunity to gaze into the nativity scene in a whole new way so as to not miss Christmas because Christmas really is it's all about the hope that we can have in Jesus, no matter what life brings our way. In a few moments, the bread and the juice are going to be passed. And as that bread is passed, take that bread and, and, and uh, hold on to it, okay? And the cups of juice will also be passed. Take the cup and, and hold on to that as well. But I would just encourage you to use these moments as a, a kind of a moment of just refusing to miss out on what God has in store for you in the next 
you know, days and week. You know, next, next weekend we have uh, Christmas Eve services starting on Friday all the way through Sunday. And I can't help it. I mean, that might be the very opportunity that God is giving not only you, but someone you know to walk through the doors of this place for the very first time like Kelly and her family did some time ago to experience the hope that only Jesus can bring. Don't miss Christmas. Don't miss Christmas. All right, in the moment, the ushers are gonna come forward and they're gonna pass the bread and the juice again. Hold on to it, then Sherry will come up and we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper together. But let's, let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we are we're just blown away by your, by your love and your grace. God, what, uh, what you can do in the lives of people. God, thank you for this community. Thank you that um, uh, you know, there are people here that, that uh, love and care, on, care for each other and provide avenues and pathways to, to get to know you in a life-changing way. God, I pray that, um, Lord, we would, we'd never get, we would never get tired of this, that we would never take it for granted, God, that we would always be passionate about who you are and your son, Jesus, and how he came to earth as a baby, grew up to become a man who gave his life so that we could experience your grace and your peace and your forgiveness and an eternal community that extends beyond this life into the next. We pray this in your name.